Hello, and welcome to Paradox, untold stories from athletic directors with Dr. Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith. We have some crazy and unique stories for you, which are made possible by our sponsor, Wall of Fame. At the Wall of Fame, our mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. We transform school tributes to make it easier than ever to celebrate your whole community, showcasing your school's diverse history, proudest moments, and top role models. We understand that the true value of our Wall of Fame is in your content. Whether you are starting a new tribute or adding to an existing one, we give you all the resources you need to build an interactive experience and take your content to the next level. Speaking of next level, let's check in to see what Danielle and Dustin have for us today. Hey everyone, welcome to our first guest of our third season. If we were around for three seasons. Um, I'm very, very excited because we have Lenny Pilati with here, us here, with us here today. How are you doing today, Lenny? Doing good. Um, Lenny is one of my good friends, and uh, he also. Oh, for yeah. those. He may not claim this, <laughs> so sure we, we'll, we'll no. give him a chance in a minute to debunk <laughs> that that statement. <laughs> so, um. I am really honored and excited that he is joining us today. He has been an AD for a very long time, so he should have some very good stories. Um, he and I actually sat and um, served on the appeals committee together, um, which is where we, we met and have a whole bunch of crazy stories just from that alone. But he served on the AD advisory board here in Florida, the FI and AAA board, the FACA board. So he is... He is well-rounded. He is uh, very connected, and and I'm really excited to be able to feature you today, Lenny. Well, thank you, Danielle. Was that a fat joke that I'm well-rounded? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't, but I mean, if that's where we want to go. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. So, um, and obviously, Dustin, how are you doing today? Man, I'm I'm good. I I think Lenny and I suffer from the same issue that um, me. That's yes. I mean, I, I wasn't saying that, but it, yeah, we suffer from the same chronic illness of friendship with Danielle. Um, and I'm trying to find a cure, trying to find a remedy, but I've stuck around. Uh, this is the start of year three. So I've been around uh, on this podcast for a while, but I'm excited uh, just visiting with, with Lenny off off air for a moment um, and just hearing some of the, some of his stories. Um, Lenny, Lenny, the first thing I like to ask is, tell us what the resume doesn't tell us. Danielle kind of ran through quickly uh, your well-rounded uh, resume, um, <laughs> your connectedness, but tell us what the resume doesn't tell us about who Lenny is. Uh, I'm an athletic director. I mean, when you when you do the job, that's really all you have. Uh, you know, 15-hour days, six days a week, not four, not five, six days a week. Uh, and then on Sundays, you're answering emails and text messages. And so it's it's 24-7. Um, I know when I arrived at my, my current position, I was handed a an iPad, a laptop, a, a desktop, an iPhone. And I got the message real clear that I was going to be connected 24-7. <laughs> um, so um, what do I do? You know, in the, in the little free time that I have, I'm a biker, you know, I, I will get in my biker regalia and, and we'll go to bad bars and eat bad food and, and, uh, listen to bad music. So it's all good. 
And prior to that, I served in the uh, Marine Corps. I was uh, active duty Marine Corps for about 18 years uh, until they kicked me out for having bad knees. Uh, so I, mean, I don't know a Marine that doesn't have bad knees, but uh, I guess mine are bad, worse than others. So, yeah, that's it's. Um, and I will just touch quickly that uh, I've been 23 years as a high school athletic director. Uh, most all through all 23 years have been at combination schools, meaning sixth grade through 12th grade and all private schools. So and that's, that's what my resume says. Well, Lenny, I, I don't know you well, uh, but I do know that there was a common theme. You said bad bars, <laughs> bad food, bad music. Bad knees. Um, apparently, we've made bad decisions in being friends with Danielle, but I knew we're that here was today to I discuss <laughs> not bad Danielle. friends. Well, we, one thing I want to point out for sure is we frequently talk about on this, um, this podcast, especially when Dustin gets sappy on me, is how important it is to have um, a good network a good network of ADs and support. And I am really proud that Lenny has always been one of those people for me. Um, I think I can say vice versa. You know, he's a safe safe space where I could call and be like, how do I do this? Or this is how I read this bylaw. How do you read it? What if I do this? Is this a loophole? Like we could have those conversations. And I just, um, we've very frequently commented on how important that is throughout, you know, our our podcast life. So um, yeah, he is that for me, for sure. And I hope that everybody can find that person and have a couple of them, but um, how, the value of that and, and and what that is, I don't want to underplay that for sure. And also thank well, Lenny. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that, Danielle. I will tell you that when I moved to this area and I've been here 10 years and, and I am retiring this year, I'm going to move back home. But when I moved to this area, um, being the private school guy, you know, private school guys don't usually fit in well with public school guys or public school ADs because <laughs> they're completely different animals. I mean, they don't understand that I'm dealing with sixth graders. Uh, they And they don't understand that I have 52 teams, you know, not just the typical 24 teams. I mean, I have every program a public school has times two uh, because I have a middle school component. Um but it's important to reach out because the only people who know what we do are other ADs. Our heads don't know. Our principals don't know. Our coaches have no clue what we do. Uh, they're just so in their little coaching zone. Uh, only other ADs, and it doesn't matter what, what school, whether it's public or private, we all have the same heartburns. Uh, so when I first came to this area, I thought it was very important for me to reach out to all of the ADs. And the first one I reached out to was Danielle because she was at the large county seat public school. And Danielle, remember when we got together and then we encouraged, I worked on the private school sectors, you worked in the public school sectors. Yep. And then once a month, all the ADs got together and we went and had lunch together mm-hmm. and we shared stories or, hey, what do you do that? can help me. And I mean, we had our little conferences once a month with all other ADs and it was really a good, good networking. Sadly to say, since, since you've left and, and most of the ADs, they're all gone now. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, that has fallen away. 
Because um, if you don't do that, to your point, this is a very lonely job. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're so focused on the job and there is nobody else who knows what we do. That's true. It's true. We have to stick together. So I appreciate all of, you know, our banter over the years. And and, and I'm excited to to share your banter with the rest of the, the country and the world. <laughs> yeah. I remember one of the Lenny, you talked about being here um, and you've been there for 10 years. Paint on a map for those geographically challenged where here is for you and then where back home is because that's a little different um, area for you. Okay, so home, uh, I'm in Bradenton, Florida, uh, which is south of Tampa uh, and north of Sarasota. Um, If you've heard of IMG, IMG is in Bradenton, Florida. Okay. Um, home for me is over on the other side of the state of Florida and the in Brevard County, Melbourne areas, Melbourne, Cocoa Beach, Cocoa, that side of the state. Uh, when I came over here and I left uh, my home there, which I still own, and it's paid off, so I'm excited about going back. Um, <laughs> but when I when I left, I had one grandchild over there. He was four. Uh, when we return this July, he'll be 15. He'll have a car. He'll have a girlfriend. Um, plus, I have seven more grandchildren. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a different world, and it's time to go home. And I'll be 67. And, and quite honestly, nobody wants an old guy around anymore. I do. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that is very similar. It's like Lenny said, I was the, the high school across the street from him. So it's very similar to where I am. I'm also in Bradenton. So. Love it here. Yeah. Do you remember, Danielle, when we went to lunch at one of our favorite barbecue places called Pig Out? And uh, you were in your shirt. I was in my shirt. And uh, and the waitress came home and said, are you allowed to do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're surprised we were hanging out. <laughs> they were surprised that we were hanging out and having lunch together. Yeah. Uh, now I was I was really nervous because you were also pregnant at that time, and I didn't want any uh, misinformation <laughs> to get out there. Um, but. Yeah, it is. It's funny how the outside people view that. You know, just because we're at you know rival high schools or you know different types of high schools doesn't mean that we can't still professionally collaborate. It's it, it's silly to me, and I think that's a common theme across the country. We've heard that before, right, Dustin? Yeah, we've heard that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the crazy thing to me is just the the AD world, um, as lonely as it is on your campus, it's not a lonely profession. It may be lonely on your campus, but because of the networks that we've built and because of the connections we made and because the people understand exactly what we're going through, that bond, I think, is really pretty special just because you have that it doesn't matter if it's Maine it doesn't matter if it's Washington State or if it's Bradenton Florida just across the street that network is important and Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a bond that is I mean they just understand what you're going through and they just know the lot the hours that you're putting in as you said earlier those six six days a week 15 16 hours uh straight sometimes uh, especially when you start getting into the spring and all those games that are going on and dealing with weather and trying to change schedules and all that. The AD profession is a, is a great profession. It's maybe lonely on your campus, but not the profession as a whole. Mm -hmm. 
But I, I will tell you that because you spend so much time in the job, it uh, doesn't allow much time for your social life. I mean, you we can all count our true friends on one hand. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, it's tough. I mean, and it's really tough because, you know, it's just coaches and parents. Everybody thinks you've got a million friends. Right. Because everybody knows you, but they all know you because of your position. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't necessarily know you at all. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think probably three quarters of the people who know me know that I ride motorcycles on weekends. I bet they don't know that. I, um, I, I remember pulling up <laughs> one day. On I, I was in my biker regalia and I pulled up to a traffic light and I noticed one of my families was at the stoplight next to me. So I, I, I'm beeping the horn and waving at him, and the mother rolled up the windows and pulled her children away from the windows like I was a scary person. And, of course, I had my helmet on, so I couldn't, you know, they couldn't see who I was. But I'm like, okay, I'm a scary person. Um, but anyway. See, those are the stories I'm here for. Give me some more stories. Oh, some more stories. You know, you talk about the uh, the famous swimming story. Uh, you know, we uh, we have a great swim team, and uh, had a young man who had uh, who had crooms, uh, and and was suffering from it. And you know, it was just it's not a good disease to have and swim. Um, he was always having to get in and out of the pool. Uh, it's just. And then remember the one the time you saw us at a swim meet, and again I'm dealing with sixth graders, and they come running up, right? And the little sixth graders, as they will, they'll come up. They're happy to see you, and they grab hold of your leg and give you a hug. And you're like, you know, none of my high school kids do that. No, I thought you were running an illegal operation because that child was in kindergarten for sure. There was no. no. I was like, what are you doing over there? That allows you to have kindergartners swimming. I will say everything we do is in accordance with Florida high school policies and regulations. If Danielle knows one thing, she knows I'm a, I'm very anal about all of that. Oh, absolutely! I was just teasing you because that's something. I know. I know. You know, she she you just, she had all of these little swimmers all over the pool deck, and I was like, "What are we doing? This is there? Are they even old enough to be in school?" Like, it was crazy. Crazy how well, you know. Were. There's there's a great design, you know, because if you're a combination school, sixth graders and above can participate, and that means you can fill every event with eight swimmers which means you're going to score points in every event. And it, it, I mean, they might all finish five through eight, but you've scored points, which means you're going to eventually win the, uh, the mm -hmm. swim meet just because the number of participants. So, oh yeah. So now I will say to all my public school counterparts out there, doesn't mean we have an advantage by the time they get to high school because the typical middle schooler changes their sport every year. So it's not like we're training a swimmer to be a great swimmer by the time they get the ninth grade, because they'll swim one year, the next year they'll do softball, the following year they'll do lacrosse. By the time they get to ninth grade, we got the same kid you have. Hmm, no that's advantage. interesting. That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way. Yeah, because they're middle schoolers. They don't know what they want to do. 
Well, sixth graders at that. I mean, when you, you talk to a sixth grader, it's hard enough to get a senior to know what they want to do. Uh, but when you get a you get a sixth grader, it's a whole different mindset. And sometimes at that point, it's what mom wants them to do or dad wants them to do. And it may not be what sure. they want to do or what their passion is. So I can just imagine you showing up with, with sixth graders ready to swim and here for, for an event. But like you said, you can score a lot of points because they're in an event. Um, you know, and that's why like with track, they start limiting your entries just so you can't just pile up points, you know, just by having people fog a mirror, basically they got to right. be able to run right. or compete. <laughs> and, and swimmers, so they do that too. I mean, they limit each swimmer to four events, but if you got 40 something kids on our swim team, like we do, you're going to still fill four, four kids on every event. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, there's an advantage to numbers. Now, to that point, we don't have that in the high school. You know, our school, we have left, we have 240 kids, 9 through 12. So, you know, Danielle, you once told me you had 75 people try it out for your basketball team. <sighs> we don't cut anybody from our basketball team. Anybody that comes out for basketball makes the team yeah. uh, because our numbers are so small in the high school. It's interesting because it's a different set of problems when you look at it. That was one of the things I really like talking to Lenny about because our our hardships and like what we were trying to challenge is were similar but very different at the same time. And I just found that to be fascinating, but also really powerful when you like get to connect and figure out like what's the right thing to do. I remember, you know, during simple stuff like hurricanes, you know, Lenny would be like, What are you doing with your football? Wait, game? Did you just say a hurricane simple simple stuff? Yeah, simple stuff. Okay. Stuff. What are you going to do with your Friday night football game when the, when the hurricane, you know, closes schools and stuff? Like, that's something that we deal with annually, but it helps, you know, absolutely. Like, this is what the public schools are doing. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. I had to fill out this form to the FHSAA. I didn't have to fill out a form to the FHSAA. You know, sharing that type of information during those times is, is really important. Yeah, you know, and, and for private school, you know, we we deal with a lot of international students. In public schools in Florida, you can't. You mm -hmm. get them for one year, and then that's that's it. Uh, I'll have an international student for six years, seven years, uh, and every year I have to recertify them over and over and over again. Um, but yet, you have to deal with non-traditional students, and I don't have to deal with non-traditional students. So it's uh, you know, different headaches, but the same job. Yeah. And we define to um, anybody who's listening, a non-traditional student would be somebody who doesn't attend your school. They don't physically sit their butt in your chairs during the school day. So that would be whether they attend the virtual school or they attend um, homeschool or a school down the street now with Florida's new policies. But it, that is what we would define a non-traditional student in Florida. So that might be something that other state share and some that don't. I don't know if that's the way it is for you too, Dustin. Yeah, I mean, you're talking seat time, actually in the seat. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we have a homeschool option. Obviously, you have virtual academy where people can mm -hmm. do it online. And that was made more readily available probably because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. But I think the perspective that Lenny brings to the table and that Bernie, Lenny brought to the appeals committee is important because he's looking at it from a private school mindset just what he you know his viewpoint and his lens but he also made a statement early that said we abided by every rule and i think that's important 
obviously, if you're going to be sitting on the appeals committee, that you better abide by every rule because you're going to hold everybody else accountable to that in that situation. You know, I used to tell my coaches, you need these are the rules and we're going to abide by every one. And I don't care what other schools are doing. We're going to do it because I sit on the appeals committee, because I sit on the committee, the athletic directors committee. I can't plead ignorance. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, we've been very, very successful during my 10 years. And if we want the public schools to continue to play us like most of them do in all our sports, um, we have to abide by the rules. I do know there are public schools out there that recruit like crazy. I know there are. We don't. And we can't. You know, tuition for us is very high. And I, I don't know how I could recruit a student to come to this school and then tell them, now you got to pay us, you know, $30,000. I mean, that you can't, I don't know how you do that. Um, that's athletic just, scholarships, Lenny. That's how you do oh, yeah. athletic scholarships. Yeah. You know, we don't do that either. Yeah, uh, but you it can't is, do that, it is, by the way. You cannot do that. Yeah, you, you can't do that in Florida. <laughs> and when we we don't allow anybody to participate in our programs unless they attend our school full time. So no homeschoolers, no no online students, nothing. Uh, you're either a student here from eight in the morning until uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, or you don't play here. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. and for us, 89% of our families pay full tuition. So uh, that's that's a big ask. Now, I want to know, you know, hearing some of these things, I know, well, I do know of some of them already, but I want to hear like your craziest story. What is the thing that happened since you've been 80 where you're like, did that just happen? Is that actually real? That's what I want to hear. I, I, I mean, I. Danielle, my head is so full of many of them. I mean, it's, we've heard that. Well, we've heard it's hard to pick. So let me let me share one real quick. Um, this happened. You know, I try to communicate with all of my families. <laughs> that might be a the lot. best way to start a story. This right? happened. This happened, and I try to communicate. I think I over communicate to all of my families. Um, because you want them to have the information out there so you don't have to answer it on the other side. Why didn't you tell us, right? So I over-communicate. I actually, Danielle knows this, I actually had a, an email the other day blasting me why I didn't tell them. Why doesn't their child know when tryouts were? Why didn't they know when the seasons were? Why don't they know where to go? Why? Yeah, bang, bang, bang. My communication is terrible. I never, she's not received one. Went on and on and on. The kicker is she was replying to my email that I sent to her with all that information. <laughs> Did you point that out when you responded? Were you like, well, ma'am? <laughs> so when I replied, I just cut and pasted my email below. Now, if I had been mean or nasty, I would have said, please scroll down. Uh, but I, I didn't do that because that's not who I am. I try to be pleasant. But the fact that she was responding to my email with all the information that I provided to answer her questions. Uh, but look, I get parents are busy, right? They are extremely, extremely busy. And they don't take the time to read any emails. And I'm sure I'm not the only AD who thinks that. 
So you're, are you preaching patience right now? Is that what you're going for on this one? Patience <laughs> is important in the AD seat? Uh, patience is extremely, yeah, not just with parents. I mean, with the students, with the, with the, the coaching staff, uh, you know, you, especially the new coaches, right? You get these new coaches who think they're going to win a state title. And you know there's no talent on that team for them to even get out of the district. Uh, but they're gung ho, and they're and they're gonna they're gonna buy all kinds of paraphernalia to wear because they're so bought in and so excited. Uh, and then they go zero and fifteen, and uh, you you have to you have to find a way to keep that coach plugged in. Uh, we all know how difficult it is right now to find coaches. Uh, since the pandemic, it's been brutal to find coaches. And then after one or two years, they, why am I doing this? You know, it's just, so it's, it's that, that's one of the hardest parts of this job, I think, is to keep coaches engaged, uh, especially if they're not having a successful season. You know, I will tell you a story that, um, Ten years ago when I got here, our girls' basketball team had a total of five wins in the previous five years combined. And I thought to myself, well, that's going to be the easiest team to fix, right? It only takes five people to play the game. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> now, I will say, we – Year seven, we did get to the final state final four. Um, but it took all that time to train those. Here you go, public schools. We did train those middle schoolers up and they did stay at the school and they did become better basketball players for it. Um, but it was a, a painful seven years to get to that point. Um, the other thing is public school uh ADs and coaches don't understand at private schools. We don't retain the kids every year. You know, you coach at my school because tuition being what it is, you're looking at your roster planning next year, and all of a sudden the next year rolls around, half those kids aren't here anymore. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of thoughts uh, by the parents who think, okay. They gave my child all the tools they need to be successful in public school, and now I can go buy my BMW. Um, so it's uh, it, it's hard for coaches, and that's why it's hard for us to retain quality coaches because the roster does change so much. Besides, you know, your seniors who are graduating, your tenth grader may not come back. It's it's just tough. Yeah, something that could happen completely out of your control and that family can no longer afford tuition or come back or they move or whatever the reason would be. Yeah, for sure. I do think you have some nice flexibility, though, in private schools with um with some coaching stuff and retaining and what the stuff that you're able to do with with some of your coaches where um, it's much more rigid in a public school where this is what the salary, you know, this is what the stipend is. This is what it makes. And I can't really do much on that so there are definitely pros and cons i think to to both sides of all of it well i think uh you know at a small school um my stipends don't compare to your stipends when you were at a public school i mean they, we're, we're on the lower end 
Um, but I've spoken to uh, some other private school where they don't pay stipends. They pay coaches by the hour. And they were paying coaches $30 an hour. And I thought, wait a minute, you're paying your basketball coach $10,000 if you figure out the, I mean, I can't do that. I mean, could you imagine, does anybody else out there pay by the, you're, their coaches by the hour? You're going to get an influx of basketball coaches emailing you saying, which schools do that so I can go apply there? <laughs> Yeah, and he he and and this AD kept trying to convince me it was it was cheaper to do it that way, or or that you were at least paying the coaches for their time appropriately, you know, because you know, and, with that. and, and I, <laughs> I will tell you at at every school that I've been the AD, we've had a set stipend scale. If you're a head coach, you got paid the same amount regardless of what sport you coached. And my thought on that process was the seasons are the same length. You're, you're, you're dealing with, yeah, you should be a professional and know your X's and O's. Every professional varsity coach should be watching video. They should be scouting the opponent. They should be training their kids appropriately. So they're doing all the same set skills. Now, you know, I, I used to hear from football coaches, yeah, but we do so much more. No, not if you're a really good basketball coach. You're doing everything a football coach is doing. Well, we'll have more kids. You'll have more kids, which means you need more help. You need more assistant coaches. You don't necessarily need more money. So that was the way I've always done it. And what happens is you get really quality coaches at the minor sports the golf coaches, the tennis coaches, the cross-country coaches. You get really good coaches at that level. And then the coaches are not competing with each other. Hey, you're getting $10,000. I'm getting a $2,000 stipend. They don't compete. So now we're all, we all know we're all in the same boat. We're treating exactly the same way. Nobody's getting paid. Nobody's getting rich. So they <laughs> all... Nobody's getting they actually, paid. We're they get, all they getting for, screwed together. <laughs> they all they all root for each other. Um, I, again, that's my own personal thought. I, I just a professional thought. I just think a high quality uh, golf coach is doing the same amount of time that a high quality football coach is doing. And I know you're going to get a lot of uh, feedback about that, but if Look, we've won many state titles in golf. We've won many state titles in tennis. I know what those coaches are doing. Um, but you can also say that, Lenny, because July is coming for you. So you, you don't have to be in that seat for much longer. So, you know, you can say whatever you want to say. But I think you, you made a statement that makes a ton of sense. You said high quality. And it doesn't matter the sport and it doesn't matter the profession, to be honest with you. If you've got high quality people doing whatever they're doing, they're going to put in time and they're going to do what it takes to be successful. And a lot of people will say they want to be successful, but not a lot of people want to pay the price it takes to be successful. And that golf coach putting in countless hours, um, you know, I think golf's got it great because they only play during the daylight. They can't play at night. Um, so they work, they put their time in 
during the daylight hours. Uh, but basketball, it's an evening sport. You're playing games at night. Uh, and so there's trade-offs for, for no matter what the position is. Uh, but but I, I, I want to bring awareness to the words you said of high quality. And that doesn't matter if you're a coach or if you're an AD or if you're a bank president. It doesn't matter. If you're a high quality, you're going to put in time. Um, and everybody can gripe about time. They can gripe about, I got I spent this much time doing this. And I always tell my coaches, you signed the contract just like I did. You knew what you were getting into. Here it is. Um, we didn't pull any wool over your eyes. We didn't, we're not surprising you here. Um, but but I do know a lot of them will use that as an excuse. Well, I put in more time than this person. Uh, that may not be the case. You don't see what goes on whenever it's not game day. And, and I think, look, we're the only profession where somebody keeps a scorecard. I mean, so it, the coach that doesn't put in that time, it will show. Yeah. I mean, because they won't have the wins and loss. They won't have the wins. Um, and the kids won't stay in the program. It's only the, the coaches who do put that time in uh, who get the results. Um, you know, unless they're just lucky. Um, but I remember when I coached collegially, and I was making, I was, I coached collegiate uh, soccer and I was making $24,000 a year. And I was coaching women's soccer. Plus, I had a coach in the offseason, men and women's tennis, $24,000 a year. The head football coach was getting six figures. And I'm like, what's the deal here? You know, the basketball coach was making twice what I was making, only because they were separate, different sports. Um, for for soccer, I had more people on my roster than basketball I had. But I, I just I didn't understand it. And I and you know, and I in 23 years I still don't understand it. Uh it's for the quality, right? Quality and time. Um but I love the comment you just made about, you know, Friday nights. And I love Friday Night Football, right? It is the biggest social event that we do every year. We all know that, having Friday Night Football. It's it's great. Families will come out. Kids will attend a school where you have a successful football program. Um, but I also, I, my, my tennis sports, my softball field, and my baseball field do not have lights. And every year, my coaches say, when are we getting lights? And my answer is always the same. Never. Not as long as I'm the athletic director, because all that means is that I'm going to be here at seven o'clock at night. Because if I put up lights, you will play at seven. Right now, you have to play at four. I get to be home by six. So is it about me sometimes? Absolutely. You know, the spring season, I get to take a break, except we have lacrosse. So lacrosse plays under the lights, you know. That's the one thing that I don't, most people don't understand about our our uh, position. We do have to attend the games, you know. Um, I was just going to say, you're, you're talking about a, a thing that I feel really passionate about and just AD burnout, right? It's, it's real. And lots of times, you know, people are, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. I'm going to do whatever I can do for the kids. And I agree with that. But I also agree with self-preservation. And what you need to do to in your school, your situation, to not only make it good for the kids, but also make it so you can continue to be there. Um, 
And I do think that's a very delicate balance that some people are kind of nervous to talk about sometimes because you don't want to seem like you're too far one way, right? Um, so I, um, I really applaud you for even saying that and thinking that because it is definitely something where, you know, with that, that we need to be like, are we capable of adding another sport? Are we capable of adding this? Are we capable of doing this? Do we have the resources necessary to make this successful? That's a very important question. I think it's left out sometimes. You know, I tell people all the time when they ask me what being an AD is like, I said, I always say come July 1, I feel like I get on a treadmill in a set on high and I don't get off that treadmill until May 31st. And I just feel like I'm running on that treadmill, trying to just stay current with everything. And you know that from from all the different mm-hmm. programs we have to run uh, to keep everything up to date or or oh, now with online ticketing. And then you got max preps and you got home campus and you then your own school portals and then the websites. I mean, it's absurd what you have to stay on top of. And then now live streaming everything is just what what takes up our time you know you you get into this position for the to be with the kids i never see the kids anymore you know i don't get to be with the kids i sit in this little box here and i stare at a screen and some some of the people here call me the wizard of oz i'm the guy behind the curtain i pull all the levers you know, but I'm never seen except when it's game day and I'm out there. But it's it's sad that we lose that that connection with the kids. Uh, you you yeah, you know the superstars, but you don't get to know the other kids who are struggling because you just never see them anymore. Well, I, th- I yeah. think you make an outstanding point, Lenny. That and and Danielle both, and I hate to say that. Uh, that Danielle made a great point, but I, I think part of this is the three of us can tell you that AD burnout is real um, because of the the hours, because of the the staring at the screen, sitting in the box, and doing all the time that that is involved with that. The problem, in my opinion, is not that we don't we're not aware of that; it's that our bosses aren't aware of that, and the community is not aware of that uh, yeah. because they see the games and they just expect it to go on and they expect to see you at the games and they don't realize that they may be there once a week. Well, you're there for every mm-hmm. sport, for every game that they have. And so burnout is real and then throw on top of it, not just attendance at games and being at the office, but all the stuff that goes behind the scenes, the paperwork, the screens that you're staring at, all the things that you got to stay on top of. People just don't have a grasp of all that goes into that outside of our little silo and our little office. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my wife is a very patient person and God bless her. Cause, uh, but we will sit there at dinner and then I'll sit there. We'll be watching a movie or TV at night. And I'm on this the entire time. Not that I'm on it, but I'm, I'm answering emails. I'm sending out messages. I'm, I'm communicating what has to be set out? Because if I shut it off at six o'clock, let's say I don't have a game that night, and I shut it off at six o'clock, when I get back to work at seven thirty the next morning, yeah, the monster of work that created during those hours, I won't be able to get that day done. 
I mean, people just don't understand the amount of work uh, that mm-hmm. is. I'm very fortunate that I have an associate athletic director, um, and she does a lot of stuff for me. But it's it, it doesn't go away. Um, I will tell you because I sat on the state association committee. You know, we replace over seventy athletic directors a year. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, I don't know. You know, to me, that's that's a, a problem because yeah. anybody who comes to Florida <laughs> and we have this manual that's this thick Red book. of bylaws and policies that we have to follow. And most of those are written by the Florida statute um, there. It's not the association. But the state of Florida is dictating what we have to do. Uh, so we're getting hit all around the place from, from every angle. And it's just a lot of people just, you know. And then I don't know how some publics. I'm very fortunate that I have never had to teach a class while being an athletic director. I know many public school uh, athletic directors who teach two or three classes. A half a day. being mm-hmm. AD. I just, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you do that. Um, I just, that's amazing. Do you, you're absolutely right. Um, but as you were talking, you're talking about lacrosse. You made me think of something that I think would be awesome to highlight right now in case anybody else wants to, uh, grab this idea and run with it. I would encourage it. But, um, Lenny and I created this thing at our, um, our schools we did together and something I'm super proud of. And I really, I think I might've even mentioned it before in one of our podcasts, but um, something we, we, I would encourage all schools to get their rival or maybe not a rival, right? Somebody you want to create like a little rivalry with. And what we did was for lacrosse um, every year, we had a girls and boys game on the same night. So back to back, we'd try to get all of our families there, but we would call it the Super Bowl. Right, perfect timing to, to talk about this. Called the Super Bowl, S-O-U-P-E-R. Okay. And that's what we had a big trophy for it, everything, Super Bowl. And everybody who came got in free if you brought some cans, some canned goods. And then we I would call like we'd call like um the soup drive or wherever our local charity was, they'd come in a truck. Lenny didn't do it the first year. We can talk about that. Um, because we would, we would take turns. It would be it. the first year we did it. It was at St. Stephen's. The next year it was at Manatee and we would go back and forth with it. Um, and we would end up donating. And then whoever won the trophy was whoever donated the most cans. The, the outcome of the game was irrelevant. It was just who, brought more cans what fans brought more cans and donated more cans that was the team that won the trophy that year and then we'd pass it back and forth the entire time that I was at Manatee I never lost that trophy I just want to throw that in there really quick I've won it every year but (laughs) but but it was great because we did this for the first year you know this was it was Lenny's idea he called me up he's like what do you think about this I was like let's do it we planned it all got it done you know marketed it out there so Lenny has it at his school first, Austin. Lenny, Lenny's sitting there and he's got like, you know, some garbage cans ready to go with like some bags for like the, the cans. But so many school people brought more cans than we originally anticipated that he now was stuck 
with an unbelievable amount of cans at the gate. And they were too heavy in the garbage like cans that he had there to move them. And he was like, what am I supposed to do with all of these cans? Do you remember that? It was like. It, it was a challenge. Uh, <laughs> not, not just the amount. See, here is what. Your school did a much better job than my school did uh, getting the word out. Right. I mean, I'm sure your, your boosters was much more powerful than my boosters. They were bringing in cartons of cans. Each person <laughs> was walking in with cartons of cans. My parents were walking with two cans a person, and uh, you you killed us by I think a thousand. And then you have to count every individual can. Uh, and I think you you crushed us. And that that's what goes on the trophy is the can count total. The can number. It's it's not the score of the game, but the mm -hmm. can because we beat you every year in the game. Um, but we could never Ooh, beat you in the don't remember that. every year. Oh, yeah. Both sports. Uh, yeah. And we'll beat you again this year, too. So, but, and then I, I asked you, do you remember what you said when I asked you? I said, why can't, this doesn't make sense. My school is very affluent. We should be crushing you in this can count. And do you remember what you said? I have no idea. You said your school is so affluent, they eat out all the time. They have no cans at home. <laughs> That's funny. And what then I... which, got me, which got me thinking, right, my family's probably own supermarkets. I should just have that tractor trailer pull up and mm -hmm. dump cans on us. Uh, yep. And we did win it your last year. Mm -hmm. uh, we did win it that year. We, only uh... because I had... I had a couple of families who really bought into it, and they went crazy. I went out all my, those. With, it helps with the school spirit. I went out to my lacrosse practices, and I was like, I don't want to lose this. I was like, tell your families, bring cans, bring as many as you'd like. Let's do this. This is all going for a good cause. Like, that's the whole point of this, right? We brought the community together for a good cause. We had more people show up to the games than normal. Um I mean, I think it's a small price for one game where we what we had to pay for officials and, and ticket takers, essentially. Um, but it's something I definitely love doing. It was a game I looked forward to every year. And it was something simple that uh, created a lot of school camaraderie and rivalry. And I really enjoyed it. So I highly would recommend. Maybe it doesn't have to be the Super Bowl, but something similar. You know, come up with something along those lines. I think that was really great. The second year, when I was at my school, um, I learned from Lenny's mistakes. And I called the soup kitchen that we were donating all of the canned goods to and they came out with a big truck so as soon as they brought them in we put it in the truck and then it was they, they took it away at the end of the game so that worked out much better but, but yeah have a plan for what you're going to do with those cans when you get them all. now wait a minute danielle you said this was for a good cause mm -hmm. but you did not want to lose absolutely it's a win-win for everybody mm. if i win and it doesn't appear to me that it was about the mm -hmm. Providing the food, it was pro providing your ego with a little bit of another notch of saying, "Hey, we won." It was both. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to admit that. <laughs> yeah, and in the uh, I think we're doing it now for the seventh year, and we've won it once. The trophy, and the trophy is a a soup bowl sitting it on is. top of a platform. Funny. So it's a, it, and I remember that first year because we had to take all those cans. And put them in the back of my truck, and then of course the next morning I'm driving to the local, uh, you know, food place, and 
and trying to unload all these cans of goods uh, while their clients are just all trying to get in the back of my truck to get you know cans. It was it was uh, quite an ordeal, but it, it's the trophy itself says uh, something like feeding the hungry through the game of lacrosse. Mm-hmm. You know, so but you can do it through any sport. I we we chose lacrosse because lacrosse had gotten very competitive and not the right way. Uh, so this was a one way to kind of dis- tone it down a little and, and remember, you know, it's a game. And we just started lacrosse at my school. In addition to that, um, there was only two public high schools in our well, probably. Was it two public high schools, not even in our county, but in the entire area that actually had lacrosse? It was not popular at the time, so we were trying to draw a little attraction to it. And and he's absolutely right; it got popular for the wrong reasons. And and we were just trying to, I don't know. I'm I'm proud of that. That was one of my favorite things we did for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just thinking outside of the wonder, box a little bit. I I wonder if it'll continue. Uh, it could, it's going to happen this year because I'm here. But you mm-hmm. know, when I go away, I don't know if they'll continue or not. Hopefully it will. I hope it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. So, so Dustin, you need a Super Bowl at your school is what we're telling you. Yeah, I like the idea. I mean, we've got several schools that are, we're not right across the street, but Mm -hmm. we're within seven miles of some large high schools here in Oklahoma that uh, I think this could be a really beneficial program for so many people. And with the size of your school. Not for me to say I won. Um, I'm not that selfish like some people on this call, but I am all about trying to trying to help our community and help those that are less fortunate. And this is a way to do so. Um, and with the size of your schools, I would definitely recommend getting those trucks out there so you don't have to deal with that. Yeah, well, we might have to have our band pull up their 18 wheelers and those big truck mm-hmm. bits just to make sure that we've yep. got. Uh, oh, this and those. Band. A lot of those charities are so happy. They will come right out. Like they come right out to your game. I left them in early. They set their truck up and you don't even have to do, worry about it as an AD the next day. Right. So they're happy. It's a win for them. You don't have to deal with it the next day. So definitely if you're going to do something along those lines and go that route, reach out to those communities that you or those um, organizations that you plan on donating to, and they will come out the night prior. They will be there ready to help. And then, it, I mean, it creates some good, some good, uh, I don't know, just some good overall vibe and buzz within your programs. It's also a good photo op. It is. Yeah. And it's a good way you to know, tell a story. I mean, it's a positive for your athletic program as well that, and your kids understand we're giving back and your parent, your families and fans understand we're giving mm-hmm. back to people that need it. Um, it's mm-hmm. not just about the scoreboard, which is important. I mean, we, we keep a scoreboard for a reason, but at the end of the day, we're trying to help people mm-hmm. and that gives you an opportunity to what, help people what we did was on the trophy it would say like um sscs how many cans and then like mhs how many cans so there's actually like a tally of how many cans uh you know every year so that was kind of a fun thing to put on it to look back and be like oh look how many cans we got this year and then you can try to always beat how many your school brought so maybe you don't win that year but at least you beat you know, you PR'd, I guess, in your Super Bowl. So, yeah, this it's just You're another... You're so competitive. Thing. I know yeah. that. I know that. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I'm thankful for the idea because I think that's something that hopefully can catch on um, mm-hmm. in, in many other places around the country. Um, and I think that's what's cool about this profession. We, we share. Mm-hmm. We don't just hold it to ourselves, but we share and want to say, hey, 
this is a great idea. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to go on record saying, I'm glad that I've been on this call today because I found out who the real mastermind of this is because Danielle would probably try to take credit for this. And uh, we know this is not Danielle's idea. Um, So one, you can, you can take this though. Like, just think about it. It doesn't have to be super like Super Bowl stuff, right? Like it could be the holiday season and it could be a toy. Right. It could be, let's say your area needs warm clothes is in a, a colder area. It could be clothing, an article of clothing or as many articles of clothing. There could there could be a lot of different ways you go with this other than just the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, we, and the thought process is just to give back, to yep. give back to those that are in need. And I think that's the key that we need to hang on to. Whatever your location is, whatever will benefit those people. Um, you may not need jackets in Florida. I mean, there there are there are times that you're probably not going to need them. Uh, mm-hmm. In Oklahoma, you're going to need them. Uh, mm-hmm. We had some some. Uh, I said Mother Nature was either drunk or going through menopause here because it was so cold. Of, <laughs> I mean, we'd be sixty one day and negative two the next. So, um, but jackets may be a good idea here. Uh, it, it could be a variety of things wherever you're at. Uh, but it's, you it's know, and Dustin, one of one of the other reasons to do it is that you know we get tired of nickel and diming our families because who come to the games, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the parents and the grandparents of both schools, and you get so tired of nickel and diming them and charging them six dollars, eight dollars just to come watch their kid play. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something that's readily available in the home. You know, they've mm-hmm. got canned goods. They just grab canned goods. And it's just a break, you know, from from that. So it, there's a lot of other reasons to do it. Um, but the Feed in the Hungry was one that just toning down the 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 uh, um, the tempo of the game as far yeah. as aggressiveness. But also give the parents a break. Have, have a, you know, we, we do other events sometimes like hot dog night. You know, we just... We give out free hot dogs. You know, we'll cook a couple hundred hot dogs that night and just give them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people get tired. They're getting hammered, you know, out in the community, nickel and dime, gas prices, everything. And it's just a little way. Plus, it's another way to get people to come to games. It's free hot dog night. You yeah. know, people come up and say, hey, can I get two hot dogs? Yes, you can. You get one at a time. Go eat your hot dog, come back, get another one. You know, but it's uh, so that's private school stuff right there. No, that's private school stuff right there. You crossed the boundaries, Lenny. (laughs) What was that? Free hot dogs? Yeah, I love a hot dog. (laughs) Of the three of us, who's not in the profession anymore, Lenny? Let's just say that. Oh, come on, that's not entirely accurate, but. You know, there there is a reason (laughs) that your typical athletic director gets heavier. Uh, the longer they serve is because you don't have an opportunity to go eat and you end up eating a lot of concessions food. And that one item that's readily, readily available is a hot dog. I mean, it's just, um, I'm the hot dog king, boy. I tell you, I can eat a hot dog. I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> now I want a hot dog. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think I think something like that's a great idea. And I also think there's something to be said about people just giving you feel good when you give back. Right. I mean, I made sure that I brought 
as many cans as I could possibly fit in my bag that day, even though I obviously didn't need to pay to get into the game. But that's not the point. The point is, is we are giving back. I can joke with Dustin about, yeah, I did want to win trophy. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's about giving back. So something, you know, we, we can sit here and talk about, we talk about our challenges that we have, right. But I think those little victories is also really important to celebrate. And the Super Bowl is definitely one of them in that entire concept. So kudos to us. I'll tell you one of, one of the challenges (laughs) we have as well is that we're not your typical school. I mean, we say 88% of our kids play a sport. Uh, by choice, you know, they don't have to do it. They they want to represent their school. So about 88% of our kids play sport and about 60-something percent play two. Double. Many play three. They'll play a sport every season, um, which means when it's game time, there's nobody in the bleachers because all the students are at their training sessions or they're away at their games. Uh, so... You know, I wish I had a, a good answer to how to fill the. So that's why we tried, you know, free hot dog night. Um, but if if your school and you know, I I hear so many times that the uh, the year of the multiple sport athlete is gone. I I'm telling you, it's not gone. Um, I talk to many college coaches, and they'll ask the student, "Do they play club ball?" And then the second question is, what other sport do you play? Those are the two questions college coaches always seem to ask. They want to know uh, that you're you're playing a club ball, but they also want to know that you're you're well. First of all, you're playing your high school sport. Let me touch on that real quick. We had a young man here, my second year here. He was here uh, for two years. I got to know him, and he was recruited throughout the country. Uh, he was a great golfer, and he ended up going to University of South Florida. And at that time, they were in the top 25. So that's huge. Um, and he played the whole time he was here for us. Now, he had his private swing coach, and he he had, took all his private lessons, and he did that his whole life. But he wanted to represent his school, and he was he was on our team, and he played every year. And when he told me he was being recruited by the University of South Florida, as I always do, I call the school just to confirm before we do any kind of, you know, signing here. I I confirm it. And I called the coach up there and I actually had a chance to speak to him. And I said, are you recruiting this young man? I just need to confirm it. And he said, yes, I am. Not only am I recruiting him, but he will be my captain next year. And I said, Coach, you do what you want, but why would you have a freshman as your captain of your team? And he said, because he's the only one that played high school golf. Everybody else just played on their individual tournaments. And so he's the only one who understands team golf. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting point because so many times – you get your great athletes, your tennis players, your golfers, maybe baseball players, and they don't ever represent their school. And they're missing that component. And so when, I, when I'm when i talking to a lot of college coaches or they come here to speak to our students, that's one of the things that they're going to elaborate on, play for your school. It's important to be able to represent and give back and not just take. Um, so that's a, 
I love that message. And that was from a, a college coach who said, I, I won't recruit a taker. Mm-hmm. I only recruit givers. Um, hmm. and, I, and I, I just love that terminology. And, and it, to me, it says a lot. Well, I appreciate all of the wisdom you have shared with us here today. <laughs> all of the pieces. <laughs> oh, yes. I have. You have been a giver today and you've been sharing them. And hopefully, I really hope people, you know, listen to this episode and it gives them ideas of what they can do in their own school that will be beneficial to their community and really go out there and and make it a more fun environment at the game. You're giving back. There's just so many so many pros to some of the stuff that, you know, you were talking about and some of the stuff that we did together. So, um Danielle, it sounds like you're wrapping up, but can I just add one more thing that we're going to try this year? And I'm sure a lot of schools are doing it out there, uh, but I heard I'm I'm stealing it from another school. To honor their teachers Mm -hmm. and to get teachers to come out uh, for every home game, they're doing teachers are selected to do the first pitch for every home game. For baseball? and I For baseball and softball. Okay. So a teacher will go out there and throw the first pitch. And I think that's a nice recognition by the kids. And the kids choose the teacher. You know, it is funny because if they do that, that teacher doesn't just come for that game. They come for every game after that. Yeah. You know, so teachers just, you know, sometimes they just don't understand that they are appreciative. Uh, but when, and you know, when you mix it in with the athletic world, uh, it's it's a nice touch. Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. Great call out. I wrote down. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Stealing again. Okay. I, I, absolutely. Um, I think I think it's a great idea. So um, for sure, you shared a lot of valuable things today, and I I definitely appreciate the time. I know you're busy, right? That's that's. I'm sure your phone is blowing up. So I appreciate the time um, that you you've given us to share some of these things with today, and I hope you enjoy the last couple months um before you you ride out into the sunset so literally literally Uh, (laughs) i I do i want to thank you for one first for your service uh for your commitment to the marine corps and how um even though they kicked you out for bad knees or whatever i I appreciate (laughs) your service um so i want to thank you for that too i want to thank you for your wisdom that you've shared with so many today that that can take things um and the mindset, uh, the be a, be a giver, don't just be a taker. I used to tell my coaches, don't just come in with your hand out like this. Come in and say, here's a solution. I don't, I'm not coming to ask you for anything. I'm just coming to bring you something. Um, and, and that should be a good mindset that we have. Um, I also want to thank you for your service to our profession. Thank you for being in it like you have and for your commitment. And I know you're running through the finish line. You're not just seeing the finish line. You're going to, you're going to finish strong. And, and, Finally, I want to thank you for your patience with Danielle um, and for coming. all the work that you've tried to help uh, <laughs> make her better. Um, but I, I just appreciate you taking the time today and for, for sharing your wisdom, sharing your insight, and making us all better. Well, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Um, you know, and for all those new ADs out there, don't get discouraged and don't give up. You know, you don't want your kids to give up. Uh, you don't want them to quit. Don't be a quitter. Um, but, but just know that there are other people going through the same thing you're going through. And all you really have to do is reach out. Uh, and it, and it, it makes it bearable. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. And you now have an invitation, right, to reach out to any of us if you have any ideas or questions. So thank you. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our sponsor, Wall of Fame, who excels at telling your school stories and supports us in telling ours. Check out the description of this episode for a link to receive a discount on all Wall of Fame products. We are looking forward to the next story and hope you are too. Thank <laughs> you.